This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Friday the 22nd of July and there's travel chaos in Kent today as the summer getaway begins. The Port of Dover's declared a critical incident with families and lorry drivers waiting for hours to get a ferry across the channel. British authorities are blaming inadequate staffing levels within French immigration. It's also causing gridlock in the town itself with traffic bringing local roads to a standstill. There have also been long delays on the M20, A20 and M2 as a result. Well, our reporter Sam spoke to Hannah, who'd driven down from Reading this morning. She'd been stuck in the queues for around four hours. Came here about six o'clock, so what time is it now? It's a quarter to ten. It's nearly four hours, it? so How many miles do you think you've travelled in that time? I think we've travelled more because we've been walking up and down and chasing the cars around. Not very far. Chasing the cars around? <laughs> so we've been getting out of the car with the kids and then, you know, walking up as far as we can and then seeing if we can run back in time to the car to move. Oh, I see. Go. Right. You've been stretching your legs, in other exactly. words. All right. So... I'm trying to find a toilet as well. <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, dear. And where are you heading for? We're going to France. You're going oh, to France. We've got a nice week in France, but hopefully we'll get there at some point. What do you think of all this? Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, it's disruptive, it spoils the beginning of the holiday, but, you know, we're doing, we're doing the best we can to keep cheerful. Well, the boss of the Port of Dover says he feels immensely let down by French authorities after weeks of planning for the summer getaway descended into chaos. More staff have now been provided at immigration to try and cope with the delays. Doug Bannister, the port's chief executive, says this should never have happened. So first of all, I have to say how deeply sorry I am to all the travellers that are caught up in this, the truck drivers that are stuck up, up on the roadways and our local communities that are suffering with all this congestion. This is a situation that we had seriously hoped to avoid. The, um, uh, uh, we had warned that if we didn't get sufficient amount of French Border Authority resources for the start of the day at about four o'clock in the morning, that we ran the risk of entering into a situation which regrettably we're in at the moment. And uh, whilst we have received uh, additional French immigration resources, and that has helped the traffic to start moving a little bit better. We've got a big backlog to try and clear. Um, we obviously this is the start of the summer holidays. Um, you must have been expecting for a while that this would have been the busiest, one of the busiest days of the year. Um, could there have been better planning? You know, indeed, and that's what makes it so frustrating for me is that we've been talking about this for weeks and months. We've been planning for this. The port has brought in additional resources. Our ferry operators have confirmed their resourcing levels and their and their ship capacities. Uh, we've been working with central government, local government. We've been working with uh, UK Border Force and indeed Police Off Frontier planning specifically for this morning. We've installed additional capacity to make certain, because in a post-Brexit environment now, the transaction times at the border are taking longer. So we put more capacity in to make certain that we could try and get uh, people moving through in the best way that they possibly can. And all of it came down 
to this morning having a sufficient amount of resourcing in the booth, which we did not have. Meanwhile, the Dover Council leader Trevor Bartlett says the town is being put on the map for the wrong reasons yet again. He told the Kent Online podcast he's disappointed and angry about the impacts on residents in the town. Frustrating that the uh, Veolia, our waste refuge collection people, children going to school, people trying to get into work. The town was gridlocked and nothing was moving at all at that point. And don't forget, you can keep up to date with the travel situation on Kent Online or by listening to KMFN. Kent Online News. A Kent mum's described her horror after her son was swept out to sea in a dinghy. 11-year-old Tommy Lewis was at Dungeness with his family on Tuesday when a big wave carried him away from the beach and out of sight. This is the moment he was rescued by RNLI lifeboat crews about a mile from the coast. They're gone quite a way off, are not they, in a short time? You right, mate? Well done for staying there. You OK? Well done, mate. Come and hold on to me. Put your arms around me. OK? OK. There we go. Yep. There you go. Well done, mate. All right? If you walk in there... Well done. And you can watch the rescue video on Kent Online. The family of murdered Kent's PCSO Julia James are calling for her killer to remain behind bars for the rest of his life. Callum Wheeler was sentenced earlier this month and told he'll have to serve at least 37 years for attacking the mum of two in Snowdown in April last year. Julia's children have posted on social media saying they hope authorities consider the 22-year-old, who's from Alsham, is too dangerous to ever be released. A 22-year-old woman from Old Romney has set up a fundraiser after being given a 40% chance of living for the next two years. Chloe Bulldog has stage 4 cancer of the liver and wants to complete a bucket list with her family and friends. So far, Chloe's appeal has raised more than £1,500. You can find out how to donate over at Kent Online. A man's appeared in court charged with witness intimidation and assault after a woman was attacked at a Kent hotel. Police were called to the Grand Burstyn in Folkestone last Saturday and Galvin Hamilton was arrested in the Dartford area earlier this week. The 42-year-old from Flitwick in Bedfordshire is accused of trying to make the victim withdraw previous allegations against him. He's due at Crown Court next month. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now, ahead of one of Kent's biggest venues being boarded up next month, thousands of people are calling for its future to be secured. Margate's Winter Gardens have hosted some of the biggest names and could hold up to 2,000 people, but it will close in August for what the council say is a review into how best to reinvigorate it. Councillor Rob Yates is concerned. A company called Your Leisure was managing the lease and that was due to end at the end of 2023. Um, So a decision was made to bring that lease termination date to the middle of August this year. Your Leisure were operating the lease um, at break-even, but there was, I think, a general acknowledgement that they weren't the right operator uh, to be managing and maintaining the building because of the maintenance of the building has huge costs. So between Your Leisure and TDC, there was a decision made um, to bring that lease to an end. The reason why I've started the petition, which has got 2,900 signatures, 
um, is because I don't think there's much of a plan around what happens next. So when you're, there's already been discussions about boarding up the building, but there hasn't been any promotion of the building to new operators, new owners. They're talking about this £300,000 feasibility study as part of the Margate Town deal, but that money hasn't been awarded to TDC yet. We don't know the timelines for that study to be done. And yet they're literally discussing, they've had discussions about boarding up the building next month. So I think we need to know why aren't we shouting about the amazing facility? When will we have this feasibility study done? And who will be maintaining the building come this winter when it might might get cold and damp inside with the boilers turned off? Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, it's not a new building. It's a it's a historic building already right on the seafront. It does get get battered by the all elements. Are you worried that essentially it's being mothballed and it's going to slowly fall into disrepair? I think that's what everyone's worried about. Ultimately, you're talking millions of pounds that are needed here. Um, the government isn't giving local councils that money. Um, there has been the Margate Town deal board, but um, I think they saw the Winter Gardens as potentially too big even for them. There needs to be a serious attempt to see, OK, who's interested in this building? Because at the moment, the, the plan is to board it up, but there doesn't seem to be any... It's like TDC looking inwards instead of looking outwards and saying, OK, we've got this problem. Can anyone help us? Instead, it's like TDC saying, oh, we can solve this problem. But... We don't know if anyone else can help us unless we ask. Who ideally would you like to see come in and take over the running of the venue? Have you got any ideas yourself at all? There are parties out there who are big enough. Companies like Live Nation who operate the O2 Arena in London. This isn't for councillors to be getting involved with as such. What we need to do is have a kind of open, open process where the council goes to the market and has those discussions about finding a new operator or owner. I'm not going to say here whether I think it should be someone who buys the building or someone just operating the building because um, we just need to see what interest there is. Um, as you say, you started this petition, you're calling for a public meeting as well, aren't you? What What is the general feeling about the situation amongst people living in Margate? Who obviously, you know, this venue is very close to their, their hearts. Some people probably walk past it every single day. Yeah, I think... The big thing to notice as well is that Winter Gardens is used to have school award ceremonies and um, community events are held there. Sometimes the elections, uh, the account is held there. And ultimately, everyone everyone knows about the building and, and has been in touch with it. I think there's a bit of pessimism that and this is just another public asset which is going to be mothballed and is going to lay empty for um, decades to come. Um, so I think the petition and the public meeting is really there to put pressure on the council to say, OK, um, if you've got a plan, great, great. Just tell us what it is and let's get behind it so we can all be shouting off uh, the rooftop saying, come visit Winter Gardens, have a look. We want a new owner. We'll support you. And let's make the make make this happen. Well, Councillor Ash Ashby, leader of Thanet District Council, said the Winter Gardens will return to council management in August this year, at which point they'll be in a position to discuss their next actions. The first step in the process will be to instruct an in-depth appraisal where experts will look at the best, most sustainable options. They said they fully recognise the level of public support that there is in the district and beyond for the Winter Gardens, and they're committed to including significant amounts of public 
engagement as part of the appraisal. She said she can assure residents that they will do everything they can to build a long-term and viable future for the well-loved local venue. Kent Online News. Hundreds of discarded trolleys have been recovered from the River Medway, not far from a supermarket. A former policeman says 76 were pulled from the water near Morrison's in Street last year. That's along with five baskets, two children's bikes and scaffolding. He's now urging large stores to tighten up security so trolleys don't end up polluting the local environment. There are plans to set up a community fridge in Canterbury to help people struggling with the cost of living crisis. Residents would be able to drop off food like cheese, eggs, milk and meat and those who need support can pick it up for free. Alex Vellis has been telling us why he came up with the idea. I've suffered with food poverty throughout my adult life whether it be you know I, I don't have a job or I'm on a really low income it's um it, I, you know I've had to use food banks and things like that and it's made me feel personally really bad and really depressed that I'm having to, to reach out in, in this capacity and, you know, having to deal with the DWP, which, let's be honest, nobody ever likes doing, and having to, you know, maybe ask my mates if I can borrow some money to get something to eat. And, you know, it just makes you feel terrible. It makes you feel awful about yourself. And I don't want other people to ever have to feel the way that I felt during those situations. And even though I'm not in the best financial place now, I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot better and I want to be able to give back to a community that has given me so much in the first place. It's important now that, you know, we recognise that food poverty is not just for, you know, what is considered the the quote-unquote poor. It's, uh, you know, it's beginning to affect everyone. I mean, when even Aldi pasta is suddenly, you know, double in price, you're thinking, how am I, you know, how am I going to afford to eat? How am I going to afford to, to eat at work? How am I going to afford to, to feed my kids? How am I going to afford to feed myself? How am I going to afford to do any of these things? So let's build a community fridge. And the idea of the community fridge is that it's going to be um, a fridge for essentially a food bank for perishables. But the difference is that this time there won't need to be, you know, you won't need to speak to your doctor or speak to uh, a mental health practitioner or um, be referred by the DWP or anything like that. You can just go in, have a look, grab something and go off. You know, and it's our hope that in the future when people are feeling better and so on and so forth and when people maybe have a little bit more money, that they can then give back if they want to. But the, the key message here is that you don't have to. For the first part of the community fridge, we are going to put it into a CIC's business premises. Uh, and the plan is that for there that we are going to have them uh, stock the fridge, stock the, uh, put the items into the fridge, all their perishables and things that they already get donated. From going on from that, we want to be able to put community fridges into multiple quadrants in Canterbury, ideally next to supermarkets, so people can, you know, buy a little bit here and there, put it in the fridge when they're done. Just anything extra that they have, they think, oh, do you know what? I don't actually need uh, six pints of milk. I'll just get four pints and I'll put an extra two pints into the uh, community fridge. Or do you know what? They've got uh, they've got slices of ham on special offer. Buy one get one free. We'll put the free one in the community fridge. You know what? There's uh, you can get five apples for thirty pence. Go in the community fridge. We want all of the fresh fruit. We want all of the fresh milk. We want all of the fresh meats, cheeses, eggs, anything that you can imagine. We want to put them into these community fridges so that people can just go and help themselves as and when they want to. You know things like this shouldn't have to exist. And the fact that they do is terrifying, but 
charities and community projects and things like this all exist where governments fail. If we want to make really definite change, we need to start by changing who is in The family power. of a little boy from Ellsford who's been left in a cast covering most of his body are appealing for help to make the summer holidays more comfortable for him. Four-year-old Thomas Sutcliffe broke his leg after falling over awkwardly while pushing a small buggy around. A fundraiser's been set up so he can get a wheelchair. You can find the link to donate at Kent Online. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told a surf park and hotel at a Kent country park could welcome up to half a million visitors. The owners of Betts Hanger Park in Dill want to develop part of the site to the tune of £50 million. They say the facilities could be open within 18 months once planning permission is approved. Stuart O'Leary is head of the park. As far as a tourism destination for the area, I think it would be phenomenal. Um, we're already attracting about 170,000 customers a year on the park. I think that would then escalate up to over 500,000 customers a year, mm. all, all from as far away as London, um, mm. all coming down to spend money in, in the area. I think it would be, yeah, it'd make it a, a fantastic tourism spot for the area. As you know, this was once a colliery, and, um, and there are people uh, of a certain age in their 50s and upwards who still remember it as that. Uh, so uh, does that sort of, uh, what makes you think, is that sort of leave you a bit awestruck as to how much the place has changed? Yeah, I mean, I've been here and watched the, the transformation from of, uh, from a kind of a, a derelict country park into and what it is today. We've now we've just literally opened the, the Kent Mining Museum and our brand new visitor centre behind you. And... Um, yeah, obviously there's no, no, plan, no plans to stop. We want to keep developing the site and turning it into as good a tourism attraction as we can. Now, former Strictly Pro Ola Jordan has thanked everyone for boosting her confidence after posting a bikini pic showing off her mum body. The 39-year-old lives near Maidstone with her husband James Jordan, who was also on the dancing show. She's posted a video to Instagram. Hi guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your lovely messages after my last post. I've got to say it's so nice to see that, that I'm not alone and a lot of you go through the same thing as me. Um, it is quite embarrassing that, you know, I'm being a dancer and I struggle with, with you know, with all this way that I put on. Um, but my priority is Ella. Um, she is taking over my life and it's all about her now. And I don't know if I ever get back to my dancing body again. I would love to, but I just don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Now, it might be the middle of summer, but preparations for the Christmas panto are already underway at Kent's biggest theatre. The Marlowe in Canterbury have announced former Strictly winner Aurea Duba and West End star Carrie Hope Fletcher will appear in their production of Sleeping Beauty. It'll be opening on the 25th of November. In sports, Kent's have won the county championship cricket by 177 runs. They bowled Warwickshire out for 147 in their second innings. And Kent's Dina Asher-Smith says she's so happy to have won a bronze medal at the World Athletics Championships. The 26-year-old finished behind Sharika Jackson and Shelly-Ann Fraser-Price in the 200 metres in Oregon overnight. She says it was a tough race. I just ran as fast as my legs would take me, if I'm being completely honest. I absolutely understood the calibre and the talent of all the women across all eight lanes. Like some of them have faster PBs than me, some of them came in running faster than me and I was just like, Dina, if there's a time to go, it is now.
Well, that's all for today. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.